Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back to the Bleacher Connection. This is our uh, fifth episode, I believe. And I uh, definitely want to take our, our time to say thank you to the people that are listening. Uh, I've noticed over the last little bit here, there's getting a few more people listening, so we definitely do appreciate it. Uh, obviously, we are, we are new to this. We are not professionals by any means. Uh, so we would love to hear some feedback. Uh, you can reach out to us at... Uh, the bleacher connection at gmail.com or on Twitter. Uh, Trevor is the bleacher con one at the bleacher con one. And I am at the bleacher con two. So, cause we all know I'm number one. <laughs> yeah. Um, I felt sorry for him that day. <laughs> we, uh, we definitely do appreciate you guys uh, listening in. And like I say, I really would love the, uh, the, the feedback. So on this week's episode, we're going to do another That's Offside. And as we discussed in our last episode, we're going to uh, actually dive into the big free agency and and trade season that is now upon us now that the Tampa Bay Lightning have won the Stanley Cup. Um, we're going to do some uh, free agent predictions where we think the big names are going to go. We're also going to uh, throw in a couple of trades that we think are going to happen this off season. Um, but to start off with, we're going to go to our, our uh, regular segment of that's offside. And Ken, what I think is offside this week is the Tampa Bay lightning and their celebrations. Once they got back to Florida. Yeah. They kind of went against reason of why they were in the NHL bubble in the first place they were trying to be safe from COVID and literally the minute they got back that all went out the window and there's videos online of Alex Kalorn high-fiving hundreds of people you know running up and down there was no social distancing no masks they were, there was a, a video out there of them letting anybody they wanted drinking out of the Stanley Cup. I think it was on a beach. I can't remember. But yeah, it, yeah. it was just kind of so no against what they should be doing. And I get they were cooped up, but safety first, gentlemen. Yeah, I think um, they did a boat parade, which I think it's a good start. You know, you're keeping 
uh, the players and the, the staff away from the fans, but the fans were all lined up shoulder to shoulder, no masks. And I mean, let's be honest here. We're, we're talking Florida where the cases aren't on a decline or a low number daily anyway. So I, yeah, That's I just thought it was, yeah, I just thought it was really irresponsible to, to go and do that kind of thing. And like you say, you brought up uh, Kalorn and, you know, he, he thanked the governor for opening the bars in time for the boys. Right. So obviously, as you said, they were cooped up. They want to celebrate. There were no fans. This is their first opportunity, but I think it's still, it's irresponsible. And that's why you're right. This is offside. It was incredibly irresponsible. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw something at you here as a possible future that's offside. And it kind of goes in along with this. Now, I think everyone could probably would probably admit they missed a piece of the Stanley cup being handed to um, the Tampa Bay lightning. When Gary Bettman comes on the ice, he is generally booed unrelentlessly to just, you know, it's almost a joke now, right? So my future, yeah. that's possibly offside. I'm asking you, would you consider it offside if Gary Bettman is booed at the first event with fans? Based on the fact that, that as you said, he protected the players for this entire time. 30,000 plus tests and not one positive. I I'm going to say, yes, it will happen. Do I think it should? Probably not. Uh, Gary Bettman has actually done a lot of good for the game, whether we want to believe it or not. He's, you know, lockouts aside, as much as we would hate to ever admit this, those lockouts were almost needed to save the economics of the game. And in the end, he did have the best interests at heart of the league. And unfortunately we lost some seasons and half a season. Um, but he he has done tremendous good for the game. Revenues pre-COVID were as high as we've ever seen. Expansion, the Vegas expansion has been an, an absolute success. And I'm interested to see Seattle. So it's kind of like that booing him has run its course. But I, I fully expect fans to do it because it's, it's what you do. Yeah, I, I think... Uh... Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think at least in this time, I think it's become more comical than anything else. I think it's just, uh, yeah, I think he deserves a, he and Daly and the rest of the NHL head office deserve a, a kudos on this one. So Yeah, that he did, they did a tremendous job, even despite some of the players behind the scenes whining and complaining about it and saying the bubble wasn't as good as it was. In the end, they were safe, and I get they're away from their families, but the NHL did a bang-up job of the whole return to play, and safety was paramount, and like you said, over 30,000 tests and not a single positive. Yeah. All right, so now we're getting back into uh, what honestly is one of my favorite seasons usually of uh, the summer. We're obviously starting a tad late on it, I know I woke up July 1st going, all right, it's free agent. No, it's not free agent frenzy today. I'm going to go back to bed. Um, but as of October 9th, the uh, 
the free agents will start signing with the new team. So we're going to jump into who we think team wise are going to be uh, big spenders and, uh, and a handful that are going to be uh, sitting on their wallets for possibly not by choice. So my big spenders, I'm going to kind of start, I've got four of them. I'm going to kind of go from bottom up. Um, the Detroit Red Wings, uh, they're looking at, uh, well, they got 20, almost 26 million in cap space. Um, they got to fill some roster spots. And I think they got to, they got to fill some needs that they have. You know, they're always a team that does a lot of good internal development with their players, but I think they're going to be looking to spend, to spend that money. They, I mean, right now they are, uh, four, almost 4.5 below the cap floor. Um, so I don't see them staying there. And I think Detroit has a long history of, of being a top team. I think they, they're going to spend to try and help that rebuild, not take longer than it needs to. I think they'll, they'll do things because they have to, I don't necessarily think, I don't know that the big fish want to go there. So I think they'll potentially would have to overpay to get them there possibly, but I, I fully understand why you have them on the list. They're well, almost five million bucks away from the floor. Yeah, and I mean, I'm, I am gonna. I will. I should probably said this before, but I, I based my list on the fact that players still want to get paid. And unfortunately, there's uh, when it comes to free agency, some of the playoff teams and the teams that players may in the past want to go to have go to don't have the money to do it. So that's where I kind of looked at my list. And, and when I did the top four was who's got the money and who's going to be able to give the, the UFAs what they want uh, is how I look at that. So um, okay, I, I'll jump to number one on my list of who I think the big players are going to be. And right off the top, I'm going to go right to my team, the Calgary Flames. I think the appetite is rampant. And I said this in the last episode, the appetite's rampant among the fan base and I think within management to do something significant. You know, first round exit after first round exit isn't good enough. So yeah. I, I also think we have a GM who might be managing for his job this year. I don't agree with that. I think True Living is a phenomenal general manager, but ownership can only go out in the first round in a row so many times. So number one on my list of big players is the Calgary Flames. Yeah. Um, for me, my next team, and again, I'm, I'm look, I kind of took an approach to this too, is that who are the teams that can freely spend without having to try and maneuver trades to create the cap space to spend? Yep. So I was looking at a, at a pure kind of who's got a, a, a full wallet and, and itching to spend. So uh, the New Jersey Devils, again. It's funny, they're my number two as well. Yeah, like these, these, I, I, these are, I'm kind of going from my number four to number one on this. So New Jersey's my number three, and they've got 26 plus, just over 26. They're five mil below the cap floor. They've got a lot of young players. They've had two first overall picks in the last few years. Um, you know, they acquired Taylor Hall. I don't know if he was the the big dollar player that they really needed, but they need to bring in some veteran leadership that can carry the workload. And whether that's uh, instead of spending, 
big dollars on one. Maybe they're spending big dollars on, uh, on a couple guys. And actually one of my guys on the, uh, the top, top free agents that we're going to talk about, I've got going to, to the Devils. So they're my number well. three team. I, I'm right there with you too. Uh, they're, they're, I guess, number two on my list. Number three doesn't matter. They're going to be one of the big players. They've got a ton of cap space, as you alluded to, and they've got a phenomenal young core to build around. So I, there's just a huge upside potentially with this team, but they're missing pieces. And I think they're missing uh, some high-end pieces that will really, really make a difference. And this could be the year. It really could. Yeah, they, they need to spend across the board in all three three areas, offense, defense, and goaltending. So they've got the money to do it. And we, we may not be like, wow, they got the top guy at this position, that position. No, it's going to be some, I think, some good savvy spending that, you know, like let's, we, we talk about the Oilers a lot and because neither one of us are fans of them, but you can't win when you have two top-end players and that's it. You need a team around you. Um, yeah, totally. you you have to have good balance. You can't just put it all on one or two guys and go, Hey, we're going to win the cup. It's not going to happen. So yeah, they got a, they got some room to spend. Yep. Uh, next on my list, uh, and I'm pretty sure they'll probably be on your list is the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah. They, they're and my next team as well. It's all about Eichel, Eichel and Eichel. They have to make this guy happy. There's already rumors out there he wants traded. So yep. they have to do something. And I'm not, I don't know that they'll be able to get it done. I think they'll swing for the fences and miss, or I think they will make what they deem to be good moves, but aren't, which is kind of the history of the Buffalo Sabres, but they've got to do something to keep, um, Michael happy. They've got a ton of cap space as well. Uh, I believe like almost 33 million. 33.6. Yeah. And they've got like 12.3 million to hit the floor. So they've got money they have to spend and they will absolutely spend it. I don't know that there'll be a cap or a a ceiling team, but they'll spend money. Yeah. And I, I absolutely, like I said, they were my number two team on the list and, uh, you, you hit it on the nail on the head. It's all about Eichel. Um, Ryan O'Reilly came out and said, I'm tired of losing. And well, they dealt him real quick. Uh, yeah. Worked out well for O'Reilly. But players don't like to lose. They don't, you know, regardless of the checks they're cashing, whatever it is, they don't want to lose. They want to win. It's a pride thing. Um, Eichel... Yeah, they want to keep him happy, but at a certain point, you, they may also have to look at uh, how long can we keep going with Eichel? How many coaches have gone through that organization? GMs have gone through that organization because, you know, Eichel isn't a fan. I think we can kind of go back to the last two coaches and two GMs don't, no longer have a job because they uh, he wasn't happy with what was going on with them. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think they're they're the number two team for me in spending, and I think they uh, they they for me they're going to make a, a big splash. I think they they are going to go out and get a a name at the top of the list of the free agency. So, yeah. Well, who do you have at number one on your list, Ken? Well, my number one big spenders, and 
you and others may <laughs> go really um, based on the fact that they haven't had the appetite to do it before. But I think when you're looking at almost $22 million before below the cap floor, 43.2 million in spending, it's the Ottawa senators. Um, Melnick is not a well-liked owner within its, his, his own city. They, uh, he needs to mend some bridges with his fan base. And I think going out and spending the money to bring in some players is going to happen. And I think they can do what uh, almost no other team can do. And that's say, okay, you want this much money? Here you go. And they've got nine players out of 23 on their roster right now. They have a lot of holes to fill. They have 27 contracts out of 50 that they're allowed to carry. This is a team that is going to spend not because they want to, it's also because they absolutely have to. Um, they cannot continue carrying dead contracts of players who will never step on the ice again. They need to take that money and actually spend it. And, and they have to keep bringing, finding ways to bring people back into the arena. See, and I disagree a little bit. I think they are absolutely all in on finding high hit contracts with low actual payments. The, the Ottawa centers are bleeding money and everybody knows this. So they don't want to bring on actual, actual dollars. They want to bring on cap dollars. And I think you'll see the North or Nathan Horton type deal a couple of times with the Ottawa senators. You know, where's Marion Hosa these days? Is his contract still available? Like, I think, I think you could probably get Datsuks out of Arizona. You could probably get Datsuks. I honestly believe the Ottawa Senators will trade for dead cap hits to get to the floor because their, their owner does not want to spend money. I, I agree with you. They're going to be active because they have to be, but they're going to be active in a different way. And mm -hmm. it's kind of goes against the economics of hockey way that they're going to be active and but you're right they will be because they have a ton of cap right cap space to spend they will be active yeah so here's a question and if it's all if if how much longer can they go then continuing to just pick up um savard type contracts uh clarkson contracts was it uh is it ryan mcdonough that they picked up his contract as well yeah i can like, how long can that go before the talk of the Ottawa Senators leaving Ottawa starts to emerge? How, how long until it's the Hamilton Senators or something along those lines? The Ottawa Senators won't exist in 10 years if it keeps trending the way it is. It's I, I agree, but I think it'll be sooner than that. Yeah, oh, very well. Yeah. Uh, the number four, maybe number one on my list, and... I think you're going to be surprised that I have them on my list, but they're here because they, they echo the same sentiment as another team on my list. And that's the Toronto Maple Leafs. Sure. They have no money to spend, but they are going to find ways to be players. They have a, a fan base that is unhappy. They're clearly not as good as the Boston Bruins and Tampa Bay lightning. They cannot get out of the first round. Heck, they couldn't even get into the first round this year. Yeah. It's it's a team that is constructed so poorly 
with top end talent that something's got to give. And I don't necessarily think they're going to be huge players in the free agent market, but I do think there are going to be huge players in just the off season in general. I think they could try to do some significant things, you know, be it trade Freddie Anderson or William Nylander to create cap room to go after players and to fill voids on, uh, well, to fill voids on defense on their team, to be brutally honest. So I don't think in free agency, they'll be huge, but I do believe off season wise, they will be players. I mean, let's face it, the Toronto Maple Leafs are linked to the top, all 50 of the top 50 free agents that are out there right now. Um, every year. Every year. Yeah, they have 76 million in cap hit right now. And 44 of that is tied to four players. So they, they don't have a lot of roster holes to fill, like four spots that they're, they're looking at. But 5.4 million right now is not going to get them a lot. So you're right. I think they, they – but the problem is they're going to – let's say they move a William Nylander out or a um, – just throwing names, Mitch Marner. You're going to be bringing someone in that is potentially making the exact same or more. And so, I agree with that. I think it's more they're going to do it for to fill organizational needs, which is going to make them a player. Yeah, I – yeah, because you're right. I mean, the Toronto Maple Leafs, we hear it a lot because we're in Canada and all of our sports stations are based out of there. Um, they, they are the be-all, end-all cup favorites every season, and they are not. They, they're they a, a fringe playoff team. Like, I don't – there's no other way to put it. You keep going out in the first round like that. Uh, you know, you said it, they didn't even come out of the qualifying round. Um, they're not what – everyone hypes them up to be that's, that's... And to be honest there was zero chance they would have defeated tampa bay or boston so no even if they did it didn't matter no no those those teams are light years ahead of them in uh in development and how they how they produce well why don't we move on ken to who we think are going to be sitting on their wallets for this off season sounds good like i think we could just added. I well, I had three, but I think I just added a uh, a fourth to that to that list yeah, after this morning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, can we we just agree? Golden Knights or until they make a lot of deals are not going to be spending any more money after today. Uh, I think that's quite possible. They've already made their deal. Yeah, solidified goaltending. Yeah. I could see them potentially try to trade someone like Paul Stastny, but. I think it's going to be a quiet season in off season in Vegas now. Yeah, they got to find a way to fill jerseys. Yeah, yeah. the the new The new third jerseys might bring them in a little bit of money to spend, but um, you know, third jerseys, third season. Why not? It all goes hand in hand. Yeah, yeah. So, so the first team that I have Ken as uh, sitting on their wallets, and actually, um, I don't think their wallets are going to be closed this off season. I actually think their wallets are going to be open because they're trying to get money back into their wallet. And that team's the Arizona Coyotes. Um, They're going to be active, but not for the reasons that we want them to be. They're going to be sell, sell, sell. They are not going to be players on any of the free agents. And I honestly think there's just going to be no upgrades to this team. If anything, 
it's going to be downgrades. Like everything but the kitchen sink is apparently available on this team. Uh, as you look at the Oliver Ekman Larson rumors, and you know, yeah. I just there's I just can't see Taylor Hall being back. These guys are trying to put money back in their wallet, not shell it out. So they are absolutely number one on my list of sitting sitting on their wallets and not spending money. Yeah, I, I agree. I had them at number two on my list. Um, yeah, you got a brand new GM in there um, who's walking into a situation with 1.1 available. You got five holes to fill on your roster. Now you're, that's a lot of a lot of low dollar deals I don't think you can make. So is this the beginning of a, of a rebuild in Arizona? The beginning of a rebuild, a well, continual but I mean, they've made some progress and they were, they were a solid team. They weren't, um, they weren't holding hands with Ottawa by any means. You know, no. they kind of, they had been at the bottom. They had worked their way back up into being a, a solid team that, you know, can make you pay on a lot of nights, but Arizona has always had money issues. Like, let's be real. It's not the first time that the team's not spent money and now they're in a position where they, they can't again. So they, yeah, they were my number two team on my list. Um, my, my team that I had at the top of the list was the Anaheim Ducks. I mean, like a lot of that is they don't need to necessarily spend a lot of money. They got 21 players on the roster right now, but they only have half, not even half a million and I think that will change once this season gets going and um, Kessler's 6.8 gets pushed aside because I don't think he's ever going to play again. So that should free up some space for them to do a little bit. But I think they'll be, they'll be looking to shed. And I, I we'll talk about it later, but I, I have a, a thought on a couple of their players that uh, what may happen with them. Yeah, I would agree with you on Anaheim. They're not on my list because I just – I think that went without saying they're they have no cap space they they have some aging contracts that I think they're just kind of waiting for the clock to run out on and I just I can't see them being players I I'm with you they're gonna sit on their wallet so uh the next team on my list of who I don't believe will be players is actually the St. Louis Blues um they're going to try to resign Petrangelo. I'm not convinced they're going to be successful on that. Um, but other than Petrangelo, if they do lose him, about the only thing I see them doing is finding a cheap plug and play right shot defender to pick up some of those minutes. And obviously it's not going to replace Petrangelo, but you know, the, the St. Louis Blues are one year removed from winning the Stanley Cup. They're a dominant team that I believe if they were healthy, they would have steamrolled Vancouver in round one. Uh, they were significantly dinged up this year. If they're healthy, if you got Tarasenko fully healthy, these guys are still a cup contender. So I just don't see a reason why they have to spend money. Yeah, and I, I mean, leads right in, but the Blues are my third team as well. Um, I will disagree a little bit on the steamroll of Vancouver because Vancouver had played them well over the past, you know, 10 games. So it wasn't a, a fluke out of nowhere where they were able to get past them, but yeah, they did have injuries. It's playoffs it happens every year, but yeah, I think uh, they got 5 million. Can't fault them. Yeah. They, uh, they got 5 million cap space, but that's after trading 
Jake Allen. Yeah, I think he was, he was over four, right? I think he was four and a half, 4.6. So their cap space came through a trade. They would have had less cap space than, uh, than Anaheim if, it, if they didn't do that. So I don't think they're going to spend. I think there could be some minor deals made, not mid to minor deals to made to make a few changes here and free up some money. So that if something goes sideways during the year, you could reach out to a guy who hasn't signed yet and, and bring him in. Um, yeah. But yeah, I agree. I, they, they were my third team. They're, they're not going to be spending any money. Yeah. A lot of reasons. Uh, don't, don't, sorry. Well, as I say, they don't, they don't have a lot, but they also don't necessarily need to. They could take exactly. half of that five mil. Yeah. Uh, number three on my list. And this might come as a shock to you because they actually – do have quite a bit of cap space to spend. I just don't see them doing it is the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, to me, they're in full rebuild mode and they're not even close to contention. So I just, I don't see them making any major additions to the lineup uh, with a flat cap and low revenues expected probably for this year and next year. I just don't see where the Kings ownership is going to want to spend money and I think they might be more than happy to just stand pat and collect a, one or two more high draft picks. You know, they have some aging contracts that I think they need to get off their books in the next two years before they can really do a whole lot. I just don't see, I don't see a reason why you would go and add big name players when you've got good players like Dustin Brown, but they're making big cap hits for what they're worth. I just, I can't see it. I think they're going to try and, load up on some young draft picks and, and rebuild that way. So for that reason, I just, the, the LA Kings, in my opinion, are going to be sitting on their wallet. Yeah, I think over, and I would agree with, I think if they were to do any spending, I know, I think the last day to do it is October 8th when the buyout season ends, um, whether it's this year or next year, the possibility of buyouts for, for some of those bigger contracts that are nearing the end uh, they've got Drew Doughty on a on a big deal for quite a while still, so a buyout of him doesn't necessarily make sense. You maybe trade him with some re- with uh, money retained. You Calgary could... should get him. Oh yeah, that would I would think that would work out well. Um, <laughs> I think you've had that uh, teammate um, relationship before between a couple guys that wasn't always so harmonious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so those are those are the teams that for me, Anaheim, Arizona, St. Louis, they're they're gonna be quiet in the spending, but possibly through trades quite quite uh front and center. Yeah, and I got Arizona, St. Louis, and LA. I think we're kinda on the same wavelength here on who we think's not gonna do a lot. So now I think let's uh let's move on to the real fun here, Ken, and let's start with some of our predictions. Uh, what we've done is we actually went on to the TSN top 10. Um, as of this morning, though, we had to make it the top 11 as one of the players on our list did re-sign this morning. Um, I'm sure, as everybody's heard, Robin Lehner has re-signed with the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, I don't know about you, Ken, but I predicted that one correctly. Dollars and everything. Five years, $25 million out of $5 million AAV. I don't it was what was rumored in the playoffs, so I don't think any of us were going out on a limb on this one. 
Yeah, I, I had the the team and and term correct. I I actually gave him a bit of a a bit of a raise. I put him at six and a half. Holy. Well, I mean, I think he he was already at five mil. Um, they brought him in, and I think I think it was clear they brought him in for more than just this year. Um, so I thought I thought he he had played well enough to at least ask for a little bit of a raise, but uh, no, I, I had the, the year, I had five years as well, 32 and a half. Like I say, I, I gave him a bit of a bump up. He, you know, I, I wanted to give him less because of what he did to Vancouver, but I mean, I've never seen a goalie who has, uh, I think it's five or six career wins against the Canucks and they're all by shutout. So if we see him for five more years, at least we know if we put one past them, we're going to win. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, so Dem- number 10 slash 11 on our list that we were going off of was Tyson Berry. Kenton, where do you have him ending up? Well, mine is a, uh, a lot of things have to happen before this. Um, but there was interest in Tyson Berry with the Canucks back at the wow. deadline. And, and that's what I say. There a lot has to happen and um, a lot has to not happen for this to go through um like a big trade like a big trade or a few trades where we are um dumping and moving some salary that we have uh kicking around on our books but i got him at three years 18 i have a bit of a raise um of half million yeah yeah he five and a half last year give him a bit of a bump um I don't know if there's mutual interest in that. I just know the Canucks were very um, heavily rumored around him at trade deadline time. So, and like I said, a lot has to happen for this to come to fruition. Um, I don't necessarily think it will, but I think there is an opportunity that it could, it could go down. I have Tyson Berry going to the Philadelphia Flyers. And I think he's going to sign a four-year deal at 20 million. I actually think he's going to take a pay cut uh, from last year, which gives him a 5 million AAV. Let's face it. His, his year in Toronto was a disaster. And I don't see how he can command a pay raise coming off that season. Um, I think Philadelphia has a need for a right shot defenseman. Uh, they're loaded on the left-hand side, especially if they move out Costas Fair. There will be more than enough cap room there. So I think they're going to try to fill a need on the right-hand side, and he ends up in Philadelphia. Yeah, I think with with Barry, though, I mean, he, he's been a solid defender throughout his career. Do, you, do we look at the lack of what Toronto had on their back end as a potential cause for him maybe trying to do too much because he had to? Um but yeah, I mean, he's, he's a solid guy. I think whoever can get a Tyson Berry, if they get him, he, he will definitely help them out for sure. Yep. Yep. He's a decent player. So. Yeah. All right. So who uh, number, uh, on our list is Kevin Shattenkirk, another right shot defenseman. Um, I have him going to the Boston Bruins. I think he'll do a three-year deal at 7.5 million total for an AAV of 2.5 million. Um, that seems a little steep, but Boston's going to need some defenders after Krug leaves. 
And I think you can get Shattenkirk. He's a little older. I think he's 31. Yeah, right 31. I think you can get him at a relatively team-friendly deal. And I think Boston doesn't have a ton of cap room, so it makes sense. They're going to need a defender, so why not? Yeah, uh, I've got Shattenkirk on a three-year deal as well. Um, I, I got him going to the Jets. Yeah, um, yeah. 15 mil, so five a year. Well, I, he made 1.75 with Tampa this year on like, – he's still getting paid by the, by the Rangers. Yeah, I think, and that's why I think you can get him cheaper. Yeah, and, and I think he did the team friendly. Like, I'll, you know, come back, prove myself at a low dollar – or, you know, $1.75 million is not really low dollar for, you know, normal people, but uh, in terms of sports contracts. Uh, I, I think he's going to look for a little bit of an upgrade on that, on that dollar value. Uh, he's coming off a cup win. Um, he was a, a piece of that. He wasn't just a, a bystander or a passenger. So I think he's going to ask for five. I don't think it's unreasonable for the type of defender that he is and what, what he can do. So I got him to the Jets three years, 15 mil. Wow. I, I think the fit is there for sure. I'm, uh, I'm not, obviously I don't agree with the money that you've allocated there but I could see somebody paying for him, And you know what? It might take that kind of money to get him to Winnipeg. That's not necessarily a, uh, a hotbed for free agents. So I, yeah. I get it. Uh, next on the list, we have Eric Halla. Uh, Ken, where do you have him going? I actually have him staying in Florida. Okay. I got uh, six year, 24 mil. That's a uh, bit of a bump up from his 2.75. Uh, looking at four a year, uh, he he only was there for 29 games. He came over from from uh, the Golden Knights, so uh, I've got him sticking around. 29 years old, um, and uh, he's a centerman. If he, they're not always hard, easy to get. If you can get a, a decent centerman that's on your own own ranks by re-signing him, I think it's worth uh, hanging on to. So you had him at four million per year. I actually have him at three point seven five per year. So I think we're on in line with what we think this money will be. And my prediction is um, took a hit this morning as to where I think he's going to go. And I actually had him going back to the Vegas Golden Knights on a four-year, fifteen million dollar deal. He had his best years there. I think he had a mid twenties to high twenties goals scored when he was there he played his best hockey there i think vegas understands he played his best hockey there his numbers have declined since leaving so i actually creatively i i still think vegas could do this if they could get stastny off the books i think they could look at holla coming in and replacing that so mm. i i haven't going back to vegas okay Uh, next on our list, we have Evgeny Dadanoff, a right winger. Um, I have him going to the Calgary Flames. He fills a void on our right side that we're short on right wingers. I have him signing a five-year, $23.75 million deal, which puts him at a $4.75 million AAV. I see the Calgary Flames giving him the Michael Froelich contract here and hoping they give get similar production. Uh, he could potentially play on one of the top two lines and they could look at 20 to 30 goals if possible. So 
I have him going to the Calgary Flames. Well, he, he for goal production, he did hit right in the middle of what you just said there. He had 25 uh, goals, 47 points last year with the Panthers. Um, I've got him going to the Rangers on a three-year 18 mil deal. Uh, six mil per season because it's the Rangers, right? Yep. The Rangers tend to spend. Um, they have the room. Yeah, they got the room. And I think there's a, there's a theme with, with some of my guys on this list, right? I kind of said last episode, the three-year contract is going to be popular because that's how many years they said it were, could be looking at a flat cap. So um, that's why I went three years. And yeah, six mil. If you can get him 25 goals or more, um, that's generally kind of what you're looking at paying these days. He's, uh, he is, where did he go on my list? 31. So on a, on a three-year deal, he's, he's not getting too old. He still might get a couple more years out of him at a, at the production, but I'm going to the Rangers. Yeah. I, I could see that happening too. Uh, next on the list is Tyler Toffoli. Um, I'm sure you want him back in Vancouver. Um, yeah. Not admit, I don't see it happening. Ken, where do you have him going? Well, obviously my, my first choice for Tyler Toffoli would be to stay um, based on right now. And that's kind of the last one. So I didn't really get into too, too many specifics when I talked about what was going to happen with the Canucks, because a lot needs to happen for those things to even be within the realm of possibility. So I've got Toffoli on a four-year deal, 24 mil going to the New Jersey Devils. Yeah, um, I could 100% do that. Yeah, I just, all in all, I'd like the pieces to fall in place where he can stay because I think uh, a line with Toffoli, Pearson, and Horvat in Vancouver is a fantastic line. You've got that chemistry between uh, he and Pearson. He worked well with Horvat. He slots in on the top line second line power play he's a good player like i really don't want to lose him but i i, I got him going to new jersey four years 24 mil i have him going to the san jose sharks and i think they're going to break the bank for him in terms of years i think they're going to give him a seven-year deal uh 35.7 million which works out to a 5.1 million aav a little lower than yours i i think Giving him a few extra years, they may be able to get that number down a little bit as he is older. San Jose is notorious for signing teams to or players to long, long deals. And I think, you know, he, he's going to fill a void on their top two lines. And I just, I think it's a very natural fit. He, his style of play also fits the Sharks. Kind of a big body, grind you. He just, to me, he it screams San Jose Sharks. Well, I mean... He, he is the youngest of the top 11 that we are talking about here. He's at 27. So you said a seven-year deal? Yeah. Right? Like, that takes him to 34. Um, I think I, I, I was looking at the California connection of who potentially could. Um, I didn't necessarily see him going back to the Kings. Um, no. Anaheim clearly for reasons already said, not, not an option. Um, his, his wife is, I believe from the California area. And I think still works for a, one of the sports teams in LA, but I think it was the Dodgers or whoever, but he's got that California connection that would be 
uh, appealing for him to to go. So, not I did look at that as well as could he land in California. Uh, next on the list is I think one of the more intriguing players. Um, it depends which Mike Hoffman you're acquiring. Is it the one who can get along with his teammates or the one who can't? Yeah. Um, I think there's a huge upside here. There could be a 30, 30 goals every year, maybe touch 40 in the right situation. But to me, a questionable player on a questionable contract screams Buffalo Sabres. I think they're going to sign him to a six-year, $39 million deal, which will be a $6.5 million AAV. Again, I, Buffalo doesn't make the best decisions. I think they're going to have to overpay to get him there. But it also does potentially put a legit score on Eichel's wing and alongside Jeff Skinner. So I, when I look at the bad contracts that might happen this offseason, again, Buffalo screams that, and this one, to me, screams that. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Hoffman is probably – one of the toughest ones that I, I was trying to figure out because you said, which one are you going to get? Um, I've got him going on a three year, 18 to 20 million range. I've got him going to Dallas. Um, they, uh, they were there. I mean, they, they just, they were out, lost four games to two in the cup final. Um, you know, he didn't make our list, but, Goodobin will probably be back. Um, so what does that mean for, for Bishop? But I think just that extra piece up front, um, there was a couple guys that were pretty quiet on the forward line. If you can get the Mike Hoffman that can come in and can produce and get along, uh, I, I think he could help Dallas maybe, you know, looking at that, what's going to get us over the hump, what's going to, get us to beat Tampa Bay or whoever else in the East that comes out of it. So I got him going to Dallas on a three year. I think you, I, I actually really could see that Dallas. I'm not going to lie. didn't even cross my mind when it came to any free agents, but you're right. They, they were a little bit lacking on the uh, goal scoring front and this could be a very natural fit. So I actually, I would not, I definitely would not be surprised for this to actually come to fruition. Ken. If I get one right, I'm running down the street naked celebrating. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> well, we already got one right, Robin Lehner. <laughs> yeah, <good>. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was sarcasm, just for everyone wondering. No one wants to see that. <laughs> no, clearly not. Uh, next in our list was Robin Lehner. We've obviously already touched on that. Yeah. So now, in my opinion, one of the most intriguing names on the list, and that is Jakob Markstrom, currently of the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, I don't think it's a secret. He's the biggest, I think the best goalie available. So I'm interested to see where we think he's going to end up. And Ken, I'm going to leave this one with you. All right. Well, I mean, if you do want him to be in Calgary, you might want to call him Jacob. Is he? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He has a, yeah. Well, when he first got here, none of us were too sure of, you know, was it Jacob or Jacob? He did clarify it is Jacob. So he does. I, go by Jacob. He does yeah. So I have got him staying in Vancouver. Um, this is one of the moves that I think is going to be the first one in the dominoes to fall with the Canucks. I think 
a five-year deal, 30 mil. He's going he's gonna to jump from 3.67 to six, well-earned raise, and he's going to get the five-year term. He is 30, um, but he has really developed, I think, a little bit later than a lot of people thought. I know Florida had him pegged as the goalie of the future early in his career. It didn't work out. Um, took a couple seasons as well, a little bit in Vancouver to get going, but I got him staying on a five-year, $30 million deal. Well, Ken, I have Jacob Markstrom staying in Vancouver on a five-year, $31.25 million deal. I think he's going to get be 6.25 million AAV. Uh, the only reason I think the AAV is going to be a little bit higher is because teams like the Calgary Flames are sniffing around and the Canucks don't want him to get to free agency. And I think they're going to have to pay just a touch more than they want to, but let's face it. He's, he, he's the guy. There's yeah. just no chance that Vancouver can let this guy go. I don't think you can risk. I'm sure Thatcher Demko played phenomenal in the playoffs, but I just don't think you can let the number one guy walk over such a small sample size. And I just, I can't see him leaving Vancouver. Um, I'm going to put a little caveat on this. If he does leave Vancouver, I think he's coming to Calgary. Oh yeah. I think there's a third, there's 30 other teams would be drooling at the opportunity to add him regardless of their situation um you're right. i mean like demko is a goalie that has a small sample size he has showed a lot of promise and i think in re-signing markstrom that is a chip the canucks can play to bring other pieces in but also add what might be considered a bad contract on the way out um yeah. like like we'll make this deal with you we'll take less back in return but you got to take Erickson or, yeah. you know, you, and when I say bad contractors, I don't think Beagle or um, Roussel, those types of guys have necessarily played poorly for the Canucks, but for what they're getting paid and what you could spend that money on, you could get a little younger, a little more development. You can give other guys an opportunity to come in. So this is the first big domino, I think for the Canucks that has to fall before they, as a fan myself can really start looking at, what else can be done? Yeah. So we're in agreement. Both of us believe Markstrom is staying put. And I just, I can't see him leaving. Yeah. Uh, number three on the list is Tori Krug. And this is one of the more intriguing players for me. I think he comes from uh, a winning organization in the Boston Bruins. He's a, an absolutely phenomenal talent, in my opinion. He can run a first unit power play, no problem. And I have him going to the New Jersey Devils on a seven-year, $59.5 million deal, which actually works out to an $8.5 million AAV. Uh, I just saw Ken cringing at that number a little bit. No, no, I was laughing. I was laughing. Yeah. Uh, I think New Jersey has to pay that to get him to go there, and I think they will. They have the cap space for it, and they have a definite need for – a number one left shot defender. So this just screams New Jersey Devils to me. Yeah, I, I was laughing because we got two or three two of three things the same. The years and the dollars. Um, you know, and to be fair, neither one of us talked about 
what we thought on any of these players because we wanted to go into this and uh, hear what the other other had to say on it. So I was laughing at the fact that we both had seven years, 59 and a half. I have him going to Ottawa. This is where oh, I, wow. this is where I said <laughs> Ottawa was going to be spenders. I think um, there are a handful of teams that can do it. They can bring Krug in. He would be an instant. He would be the leader on the team. Like you could bypass. I know there was a lot of talk of giving um, in the future, a guy like um, Brady could chuck the, the captaincy, things like that. I think you could bring Krug in with the promise of, here's the big dollar contract. Here's the captaincy. You're the man. This, like, this is where I think this was my thinking with when the Sens were going to be big by number one team spending. Yep. It was for one of these top, top defensemen on the list. So I went, I got crew going to the Sens for seven, 59 and a half. I, I find it very interesting that we have the exact same term in dollars. Yeah. Uh, that's, and like you said, you and I did not discuss this prior. This is, as you can tell by some of our reactions, we don't know where where we've chosen these players. So yeah. I think it's it, quite interesting. We chose the exact same dollar and term. Yeah. Uh, next on the list, number two, Taylor Hall. Uh, I think we both agree he's probably not resigning in Arizona. No. Uh, I, well, maybe not. Maybe not. I think he's one of the more dynamic players available, but he's also got a history of losing and it started in Edmonton, went to New Jersey, went to Arizona for the year. Sure. He got into the playoffs, but they didn't do anything. I just, he intrigues me. He's a phenomenal talent, but there's a lot of baggage there in my opinion. Uh, Ken, where do you have him going? Well, I agree. Yeah. He, he's been uh, on teams that don't win. And I, I don't always necessarily like Taylor Hall, the, was he the sole reason? Like you look at, you mentioned Edmonton and they, they're not winning with the players they still have now and he's not there. So New Jersey's in a position where they, who knows what they're really doing. There's they're young. They got a lot of guys, not a lot of, I mean, they, they had PK Subban and that experiment didn't last too long either. Um, but I got Taylor Hall going to Colorado on a three year $21 million deal. I think he would take a shorter contract to be on a winner, to be on a team that can win. Um, in all honesty, like I had beginning of the playoffs, I figured the West was going to be Vegas or Colorado and Colorado had a lot of injuries in that series against Dallas. And I'm not saying that's the only reason Dallas went on because they took Vegas out in the conference finals, but I, I think this is a piece that Colorado can swing with the uh, with their cap. They've got only 14 players on under contract. They've got 22 million to spend. So even if you go a little heavy with Taylor Hall, you can still fill your other the other holes. Yeah, I, I could definitely see him going to Colorado. I think um, there's an appetite there to become a powerhouse. And I think Taylor Hall is a natural fit on that team. So I, I could definitely see him going to Colorado. Uh, the only thing I don't agree with is your term of three years. Uh, I think he's, there's teams out there that are going to give him more money and more term. 
And I think that is what could potentially stop him from going to Colorado, which leads in perfectly to where I think he's going to end up. And Ken might get a reaction out of this one. I think he's going to go to the Montreal Canadiens. Montreal is desperate for scoring. And I could see why wouldn't they go after the potential top goal scorer in this free agency class. I have him going there on a six-year, $50.1 million deal, which works out to an $8.35 million AAV. The reason his AAV is so high is for tax reasons in Montreal. They have to overpay because the player's take-home is lower than in some of other, uh, other markets. Oh, Trev, hang on. I can't, uh, you, you kind of cut out there. Hang on. I just paused it. I just paused it. I'm not sure, but I think there will be an appetite from the Canadians to go after Taylor Hall. Okay. Okay. Got you back. We missed a little bit of what you said there. Kind of the audio cut out. Um, so with the Canadians, they got 10 million to spend. They got nine. They got four roster spots to fill. Signing Taylor Hall. Does that mean Max Domi gets traded? His rights. Uh, it could it very well could. He's an RFA. I think there's offense though, and I don't know that they'd want to trade one of their offensive pieces. But Max Domi isn't an offensive stud by any means. So. No, but you, uh, RFA's that you're looking at today would have to resign uh, Charles Houdon. Domi, Victor Mete, and Xavier Willette. So they've got a few guys they'd have to try and bring in on lower deals to make that happen if they do sign them. But yeah, Montreal needs to to bring in some guys that can uh, uh, put the puck in the net. They got a they got a guy that can keep them out. That's for sure. So no, I just think it's a natural fit, and they it might have to get creative. But Montreal, I think, will be in there. Other teams, I think, that will be in there. You're right, Colorado. And I think Calgary might be in there as well. But I think Montreal will overpay and bring them over. Yeah, I think... Nope, oh, sorry? I was going to say, even with the, the flat cap, I think there is still going to be some overpaying. Just yeah. not necessarily as much as that we have seen in the past. Looking at you, Buffalo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, now to the top of the list, the, the biggest fish out there right now, Alex Petrangelo, uh, right shot, number one pairing defender. He can run your top unit power play. He's uh, reliable in his own end. And I think he will command a big contract. And I have that big contract coming from the Colorado Avalanche. I have him on a seven-year, $63 million deal, which works out to a $9 million AAV. Uh, I don't know that they can afford it with some of their RFAs to be coming up, but why not go for it? You might win a Stanley Cup or two before you got to break up this team with Alex Petrangelo. So go for it. Yeah. So you had him at seven years. Yes. Yeah. Um, I got him on a five-year $50 million deal Wow. Uh, on uh, the, one of the, the, the spenders that we talked about and you actually just mentioned, I got him going to Buffalo. Um, a lot of the, again, 
this is where we talk about every free agent and, and on the list is rumored to be going to the Leafs because they spent a summer in, at, you know, at the lake or whatever in Ontario. Um, he is a Toronto, Toronto guy. He, he is from there, from the area. Buffalo, I think, in all honesty, is about as close as he could get to Toronto. Um, I don't think Toronto can afford him. They, they have to move so much to make it happen. Um, so how much downgrade do you need to do to your offense to make it work to fill the hole on, on defense? So I guess why I got him going to Buffalo. Buffalo's got the money. He wants 9.25. Um, that's, I think, the gap that's keeping him from being back with the Blues is he wants to make more than Roman Yossi. And Roman Yossi's a little over nine. He's looking for more. I think the Buffalo Sabres definitely have the carrot to dangle and say, we'll give you 10, 10 a year for five. Um, I think the number will be 10. Maybe, the, maybe, it, maybe it is a seven-year deal. Um, who knows? Maybe Buffalo pulls a trade off to give him, because um, I think if, he, if they make a trade, they, give, they can give him eight, right? Eight years? Yeah. yeah. So I've got him going to Buffalo on five-year, 50 mil. Yeah, I could see him going to Buffalo. I think if he's all about the money, Buffalo makes sense. Yeah. If he wants to win, then other destinations make sense. Yeah. I mean, he has one, so he's not, he's 30. He's not ancient when it comes to NHL standards of age, but he, he's won a cup. He's not chasing one. He doesn't uh, necessarily have to try and hunt down that team to, to win. Um, if Buffalo can make a couple other moves, um, maybe they, maybe they can get it done and promise them the promise them the moon. Yep. Oh, you, I can't hear. I can't hear you. Um, one. So now we're going to go on to the nice and juicy part of this section, and that is the trades that we think are going to go down. Uh, we've already mentioned some names out there that in our free agent discussions of players who might get moved. Uh, I don't know if these names are going to show up in our lists. Uh, again, I don't know what Ken has predicted for his trades and he doesn't know what I have, but to me, this is the fun part. I love trades. They're the best part of the game. So my first predicted trade that I think is going to happen this off season and it goes right along with uh, Jacob Markstrom re-signing in Vancouver is I think the Vancouver Canucks are going to trade goaltender Thatcher Demko to the Toronto Maple Leafs for the 15th overall pick in this year's draft that they acquired in the Kasperi Kapanen trade from Pittsburgh. Deja vu, Ken. The, Ken, the Canucks are going to trade a goalie at the draft for a first round pick. Yeah. I mean, it, Last time we did that, we got uh, Bo Horvat and, uh, and a, a captain, uh, captain of our team. So it worked out okay uh, down the road from that deal. Yeah, I think it goes in the long. I do expect if Markstrom is resigned, Demko will be moved. The Canucks don't have a pick in the first two rounds this year. So um, I, it's one of those situations in the cap era where, yeah, Demko will, would get moved in that situation. I think um, 
if you could move them to a team for a second round pick and add in one of those contracts, it, yeah, you would even take a little bit less to be able to do that um, in this situation. But yeah, I do agree. I, I believe he will, he will be moved. He didn't make my list um, just because I think that was uh, for me, one that I completely fully expect. I, I went a little more out there with my, my picks. Nice. And I think there's, Toronto's obviously not happy with Freddie Anderson. He's got one year left. So they're going to be looking at potentially acquiring the goaltender of the future. So it, it made sense to me. Yeah. And, and I know he, I had him out there and I had actually made this decision prior to seeing that. So I'm going to T3 this one. And I think Eklund's stealing my material. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, I mean, we want to K9 these ones right here because we can put them in the book. Um, my first trade that I have is going to be the Sens moving the fifth overall pick. Wow. Um, well, I mean, this is, they're in a position where they, they've got some picks they, that they have in the first round. I think this fills an immediate hole. And uh, I know the team that it would be giving up the return uh, is in a position where they might not necessarily want to, but I've got Yanni Gord going to the Sens for the fifth overall pick seems light of a return, but I get the, I see the trade partner for sure. Yeah. I think uh, that was just the main, there may be more to it, but I think just the big main pieces of that would be the fifth overall pick. Um, it gets money off the book for Tampa. Uh, yeah. They've only got 5.3 to spend. They got to fill eight roster spots. So um, looking at Yanni Gord's contract, he is at um, 5.166. Now, the part that makes this difficult as well is they have to convince him to go. He has no trade clause. That may be a tough sell. Um, you know, Tampa's in a tough spot because they got a lot of guys on their, their higher dollar contracts that are on no trade clauses. One, modified no trade. Two, no movement clauses. The only one that they can freely trade, and I really don't see this happening. If I, if it does, you know, you can all message in and tell me how wrong I was. Braden Point's the only one that they can freely move, but I don't see that happening. <laughs> yeah, that's never happening. Yeah. So the names here and right now, and I think our very big possibility is Yanni Gordon, Tyler Johnson. I think they would have I to was have. Just about to say Tyler Johnson. I think if you add his name to that trade. I could potentially see that happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's just kind of, that was my thought on that one is which one could you potentially convince to go to Ottawa? Yep. Uh, or both. Yeah. Uh, the next trade that I'm predicting is going to happen this off season. And I think the re-signing of Tristan Jari this morning pretty much cemented that. And I've got Pittsburgh Penguins trading goaltender Matt Murray to the New Jersey Devils for the 20th overall pick in the draft. Right along with my first trade, I think Pittsburgh needs to shed salary. Uh, New Jersey has three first rounders this year. So why not trade one of them to fill an immediate void in your lineup? Um, Mackenzie Blackwood's a good goalie. I don't know that he's the goalie of the future. So maybe taking a flyer on a guy like Matt Murray, who's won two Stanley Cups, makes sense for the Devils. And they, they definitely have the capital 
that the Penguins are going to be looking for to make that trade happen. Yeah, I mean, Matt Murray's name has been tossed around to a lot of teams so far this offseason. I think Toronto, Edmonton, was he rumored to go to Calgary as well? He He's all over the place. I, I agree with you 100% on that one that um, Matt Murray will be putting on a different uniform come this offseason. Or Sorry, not off-season, once the season gets going. So, yeah, I, I 100% agree with you on that one. Uh, my, my other trade that I have, and it involves Pittsburgh again, um, has Pittsburgh trading Chris Letang and his $7.25 million contract. Not saving a lot of money here, unless he can convince the Jets to retain some salary. Um, but for Patrick Line, I've got Line moving to the to the Penguins for for Latang. That's a, it. It makes uh, yeah. I, I don't see it happening, but I, it could happen. I think both teams are are uh, looking to make a shakeup. I think Line wants to play on the top line and hasn't earned it. So why not go to Pittsburgh where? You either get to play with Malkin or Crosby, so I don't think he'd complain either way. So yeah, and, and I kind of, I, I kind of went with it. You on the yeah, I went with it because I just don't see Winnipeg putting up with the complaining and the I want top line, but not going to give you top line production. Um, Liney's only got another year left on the deal, so. At that point in time, Pittsburgh, then they save a little bit of money in it. Uh, but then, he, you know, you look at afterwards, line A then becomes an RFA. So if it doesn't work out, do you take his rights and move him along for something that uh, is either a pick or someone that will fit in your lineup and, and work out a little bit better? So, I mean, it's not the first time line A's name has been bantered around in an offseason or a deadline. So I think this is the offseason where the trigger gets pulled on it. Well, they might be looking to save money as well. So I, I could see line A getting traded as well. Yeah. Uh, I went ahead and did one more trade that I predict is going to happen this offseason because I have to do one for my team. Um, I'm predicting, and I mentioned this in the, in the episode earlier last week, uh, the Calgary Flames are going to trade center Sean Monaghan and a 2020, uh, 2021 third round pick to the Minnesota Wild for Matt Dumba. To me, this trade just makes sense. And I honestly think it's gonna happen. I think Calgary will get a right shot defender that they, they badly need. And Minnesota is gonna get a new second line center who can score 30 goals a year. I just, I think it's, it's a natural trade. Dumba's expendable now with the signing of Brodeen and with the upcoming expansion draft. So. I, I, two teams looking to shake up the core. I think it's going to happen. Yeah, I think uh, those are definitely, in my opinion, two players that are going to move. Um, I, I agree. Calgary needs a bit of a shakeup, and whether it's Monaghan um, or possibly Goudreau, I do think one of those guys is going to move. Uh, Dumba's name, I, like he's be, like you say, become expendable because of the other signings and things. But I'm kind of surprised that his name has been thrown out there as much as it has um, over Me the last too. little bit. 
because he's also he's rumored to the Canucks, he's rumored to Calgary. He's he's a guy that teams will make a way to find a fit to to get him in there. Um, so yeah, I I think both of those guys will definitely be on the move. I would prefer that Dumba did not go to a rival, but you know we we don't control that. So yeah, I, I think that both those names make sense. And if they can make it work, I think the only flaw in your trade is Monahan is not from Minnesota, um, which is what yeah, they do like the Minnesota boys. Yeah. They are trying to, it's, it's like become a game of Pokemon for Bill Guerin trying to collect them all. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, he even reached out to Bufflin to see if there was interest in him coming back and or coming to play. So I think it is, there's been those talks, another Minnesota guy. Right. So uh, I didn't have a third one. I, I, I think there is some guys that are going to move. I think looking at one team, I think Anaheim, I think, I think potentially, and I want him nowhere near my team. I'm just saying this right now. I don't, I don't want him to be going to the Cox, but gets laugh. I can see gets laugh potentially getting traded. Um, they got some other players that, uh, Oh, where am I going here? There they are. Um, I was looking at a guy like Raquel or even uh, Lindholm. They get some good return on them. You could shed some salary and uh, and start a rebuild with bringing in other guys that way. Try and, and mix it up a bit, but they've got to do some things. Uh, you'd have to, I think you could convince get, Getzlaff to be, to accept a trade to a potential winner, a better team, but they've got some rebuilding to do, in my opinion. I would agree with that. Uh, some players that are on my trade bait list this off season, uh, obviously Oliver Ekman Larson, his name is already out there connected to, well, two teams in particular, but about 20 teams in total. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, I just don't see a scenario where he's going to stay in Vegas, especially now that Laner is resigned. Yeah. Uh, William Lander, again, there's a team that has too many forwards as it is. Uh, Johnny Goudreau very well could get moved. I, I don't think it will, but his name is definitely out there. Um, we mentioned it earlier, Tyler Johnson is uh, Tampa needs to shed some space. His name, I, I, the only issue with him is his contract for what is production might not work well and i think uh one of the two columbus goalies are going to get moved uh, i just don't see that team wanting to spend six million dollars or more on a tandem when they have two number ones so i think either Mers lincoln's or corpus Allo will get moved as well yeah i mean the, talking about the vegas golden knights like you talk about columbus having six million in goaltenders i don't think the golden knights are looking to spend uh 12 million in goal over the next two seasons. So yeah, Marc-Andre Fleury's seven mil will be gone, I believe shortly. They got to do some other things as well. So do you, do you look at, uh, like looking at their defense as a guy like um, maybe Brady McNabb become expendable to create some cap space. They, uh, they got a couple RFAs to sign. Um, if they're looking to create space to make other moves, Alex Tuck, uh, he's he's on a pretty good contract for the next uh, little while at 
for the next uh, six seasons. So you could get some return for that. If you want to stockpile some draft picks, maybe you can get mid first round for an Alex Tuck. Um, so I think, yeah, Vegas will be looking to make some moves as well. Cause clearly they got no cap space as it sits right now. Um, so they will be making some moves. You'd see some, some key pieces, I think of their playoff run here uh, looking for a new address. I just think in general with the economics of hockey right now, there's names out there that we can't even imagine are out there. And I think you will see some significant players move for financial reasons to, to wealthier teams that can afford it. And I think you're going to see some, I think you're going to see some shockers this off season to be brutally honest. Yeah. I like you talked about contracts moving, right. Just to hit the, the, the cap floor and things like that. So it would take a lot of work in convincing because they both have no movement clauses, but what about Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves? It's 10 and a half million on your books for three more years, right? Not many teams um, can carry that. I don't know that the appetite for the Blackhawks to continue is there. Um, they got uh, Duncan Keith as well at 5.5. I, it's safe to say at 37 and that deal running until he's 40 is not necessarily viable anymore. Might scream Ottawa. Yeah. Um, and Brent Seabrook is just, he's on the injured reserve right now. So at 35 with four more years at 6.8. Um, yeah. I think uh, we could see some a pretty big shakeup in, uh, in Chicago. And they got to get themselves a goalie as well too. I think we've, seen um Crawford is he's a UFA and doesn't sound like he's heading back so nope well did you have any other trade bait Ken no I, I think that's uh I think we covered off quite a bit there um I think yeah, I, I completely agree that I think we're going to be a bit shocked at what we see this uh this off season and players moving just in that uh, faces of franchises are going to be gone for sure. Yeah. I completely agree. I think there's going to be a lot of, Ooh, that's not normal when looking at guys in different uniforms. So they traded who for what? Yeah. Like that's all it took to get that guy. What? No, like two years ago, that was seven first round picks and, uh, and, and three prospects off your, you know, three top prospects. So it's going to be fun. I think uh, it's always a, a good time when it's the off season. And uh, I know I enjoy it. I love the silly season. Yeah. I know the, the wife might not be too happy about it, but I know what I'm doing Friday morning, the day after her birthday. Um, <laughs> firing up TSN and Sportsnet and watching what's going on. Well, uh, anything else, Trevor? You got uh, one last prediction or? No, I think I'm good. All right. Well, um, all right. So we've covered off what we think is going to happen this off season so far for at least the top 10 uh, free agents and a, and a few uh, trade predictions. So we'll, uh, we both have it written down. We've both got our records. It's going to be interesting to see 
how right or wrong we were. Um, I'm excited to go 10 for 10. Yeah. <laughs> well, one for one is uh, not so bad. It's a good start, but, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes on afterwards. If we can bat about 200, we'll, we'll be all-stars on the Blue Jays. So, um, we will wrap up for this week. Again, we want to thank everyone for listening. Um, please, again, feel free to reach out. Let us know what you're thinking. And uh, we'll be back again shortly with uh, a new topic to cover off. So just want to thanks again, everyone. And uh, Trevor, talk to you thank soon. Thank you, everybody, for listening and keep supporting us. It's a lot of fun. All right. Thanks, everyone. Talk to you later. Thank you.